All right, so welcome. This is the third episode of the Quest for Excellence podcast. I am here today with Lyle Burks. I am uh, super excited to have him here and to have a short talk with him. Um, me and Lyle are both involved in an educational program online called the Entre Institute. It's ran by a gentleman named Jeff Lerner. And uh, just before we started this podcast, we had a brief talk and just to kind of get some good foundation, we both understood and understand what uh, Jeff is doing, how it's impacted us, and the kind of trajectory it's put us on in the whole entrepreneurial world. So uh, we're definitely in the same boat, and I appreciate uh, kind of where we came from. But I don't want to give too much of an introduction for, for Lyle. I want to let him kind of uh, talk about himself. But uh, Lyle, welcome, man. Appreciate you being here. All right, thanks, Jeff. Awesome. So I want to get right into it. I, I, again, I just told you a minute ago, I, uh, I don't know a ton about you. But I'll tell you this real quick story that you you shared with the world a couple of days ago, and it's why I wanted to have you on here, at least initially, and then looking at your background and some of your history. Uh, but you, you shared a story online in our group a couple of days ago about you were in a store. Um, I don't remember exactly where, but it's not important. But you were in a store, and a lady had an accident and knocked over a bunch of stuff off a shelf, and it was just a mess. And you know, people were looking at her and it was an awkward experience and you could tell she was embarrassed. And like most people, um, no one did anything. They just kind of stood and watched her, you know, and, and were a spectator in, in what was going on. But you decided to take action and you recognized what was going on and you stepped in, you helped her out, made her feel better, helped her pick the stuff up. And then through that came a manager letting her know, don't worry about it. You, you don't have anything to worry. We have insurance. We'll take care of everything. Don't worry. So really, to me, that was kind of you, you were that first step or that catalyst for her. Um, and it might have been real time. You know, it happened real fast. It probably didn't even seem maybe that meaningful at the time. But having that first person that'll be there when you need them and to give you support and, and to be that guiding hand is super important. And it could oftentimes come from random friggin strangers, right? Like you didn't know this person. I'm assuming you've never seen that person before, right? Right, so actually, you know, I want to make sure uh, to clarify something too. So that story yeah, was, um, it was just that, it was a story. It wasn't actually a personal experience. So my cousin, he shared that and the onus really goes to him and I just wanted to duplicate and share that too because it really resonated with me. Um, yeah. I do apologize for, uh, for that right out of the gate, but. No, no, let me say full transparency. I don't care. The fact that you shared that and you resonate with that is the reason I'm even bringing it up. It, it wasn't to give you kind of kudos for being a good dude. It was really, if we all shared that same kind of mentality, even if somebody else did it, that's, I don't, that doesn't matter. It doesn't take away from the, the power of the story. So go ahead, go ahead though. Oh, yeah, no worries. Well, I do appreciate it. Um, so yeah, my cousin, uh, Richard Davidson, he, he shared it and you know, it's been, um, last few years have been kind of crazy for you know, me and my family and then Richard this year as well. Uh, my cousin, you know, his older brother, Andrew, uh, passed away. He took his own life under unexpected circumstances. So um, that one really kind of just jumped out. And me and Richard have gotten really close since then. Uh, we've talked a lot more. And you know, he's just a good dude. He's, he's someone that he's really trying to find himself after everything and really, you know, make his way and trying to find his way out of the web of things. So, um so that's what kind of spoke to me, you know, a few months back, you know, I talk about my life has been kind of tumultuous up to this point. I've really been pushing hard to break into an entrepreneurial type setting and get out of what I, you know, heard and read as the rat race. You know, I've read pretty much every Robert Kiyosaki book you can get your hands mm. on. Uh, so I've been working really hard to try and get that, but just hadn't been able to get traction. You know, I've tried multiple different avenues, MLMs, I uh, started my own small construction business back in 2015 that uh, just didn't work out. Um, got two failed marriages and I still believe in there's that right thing out there and that I, you know, so I, there's a lot of things I'm working on, but up to this point, uh, I kind of reached a, let's say an oh shit moment for myself, <laughs> you know, where uh, I was dating a lady things didn't work out and I just kind of sat there, grabbed a beer, just had a moment and guy out of nowhere, a good friend of mine, Mike Brown, he reached out to me, uh, see how I was doing and yeah, kind of let him know a little bit what was going on. 
So you know, I told him, like, you know what, I gotta make a few changes. Things are just, something's not right. I've got to figure out what's going on. So he invited me to church. Now he's, <laughs> he's been trying to get me to go to church for the last shot, three years. I got you. So I finally made the decision to go ahead and go. And, you know, prior to, I wasn't really a very, uh, very religious individual. I've uh, been more focused on education, science, things that, you know, in my day job, I'm an engineer. Um, but in every other aspect of life, I have been a voracious reader, really trying to figure out how to do this a more effective, more efficient way. So I can, because to me, wealth, what wealth means to me is time. And time, not right, just right. as, you know, I got more time in my day, but time is in longevity. How long can I build this legacy of wealth and prosperity? Because I, you know, I was talking to my now girlfriend the other day, uh, last night actually, and kind of explaining a little more about my goals how Entra and the uh, and Jeff Lerner's system really fits into it and what became the catalyst for propelling me to that next step. But you know, my goal was to be able to build something so ingrained in my family that it would take a hundred years to destroy. Right. You know, so that, yeah, that's it's a big that, goal. The idea the idea of legacy, right? I think that's uh, that's one thing I really didn't take to heart until doing this because it's one of those kind of you know you talk about a, a will or when you're gone or the you know the impact you leave those seems like very they seem like very lofty kind of up in the air you know untangible things but they're really not i mean what you're talking about and and you know it sounds like from from what is gathered from what you told me um you know you've had some success it's not like you, you, you've been derelict your whole life and you know but but there's been something missing right there's been some kind of and i come from a background where you know both my parents are on their their third marriages so i, I get the idea of you know failed relationships and not being in the right mindset and all that um, but it sounds like now you're you're kind of ready to you can find success in life you know but you're not going to find real fulfillment mm-hmm until you start doing something that gives you more than just an income when, when you can start to have an impact and really there's no other way to look at it you it doesn't matter if you're an owner of a company you run a store you're a general manager you're a platoon leader you run a squad whatever um getting getting the fulfillment out of what you're doing is what's most important right uh, you, you know the, the example of people are millionaires and billionaires or people who win the lottery and proportionally more times than not they're, they're not happy you know, money and, and, and success is bring you happiness. So let me, a couple of quick questions about what you said. Um, you brought up your family and I want to just give a little bit of back, uh, you know, history in your life and kind of where you came from and then we'll figure out, you know, how you got where you are and, and the kind of the path you're on. So sure. um, just, you, you can describe whatever you'd like, but just, you know, where, where you're from, uh, brothers and sisters. Um, I, I know you have a sister. I think I saw from stalking a little bit online, but yeah. you know, family life, where you came from, how you were raised. I know you're a military guy. So am I, we can talk about that a little bit. So give like a nice streamlined kind of autobiography on, on, uh, on your, your, your life so far. Absolutely. So, um, you might be able to tell I sound a little funny. I actually grew up, um, down South, I grew up in Arkansas. So, um, originally my, you know, my dad's family is from there. My mother's from Virginia. And so they met when he was in the army, he was retired army. Um, and one way or another, we ended up growing up in Arkansas. They ended up splitting up and, uh, you know, I lived with my mother. I'm uh, one of six. I'm the oldest male, the second oldest child. Nice. So there was a few of us running around, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, so he definitely kept things interesting in the house, but, uh, two of them grew up oh, yeah. quarter of my mother. And yeah, we, uh, we really didn't have two nickels to rub together. We were. We were pretty, to, to say poor is probably a bit of an understatement. I remember one okay. time in particular, uh, we were living in a house in the middle of winter and uh, we had actually moved for a short period of time. This was the second half of my junior year. We had moved to Northern Missouri and we lived in this tiny little shack and there was a hole in the roof. Middle of winter, snow pouring in. I remember seeing a squirrel jump in and out of where that hole is right over the top. Wow. There was only heat in one room. We all slept on pallets, little um, uh, sleeping bags in one room in this house just trying to stay warm. 
I mean, that was probably one of the lowest points of my life. I remember that. And how, how old were you during that time? Uh, that was junior year, so I was 17. Junior 17, right. gotcha, right. gotcha. So was, uh, and you were the oldest you were the oldest boy right. and there were five other kids. Yeah. Is that right? That's right. So, yeah. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good, bro. So, I mean, as the oldest male, I've actually been, um, I've been working outside of the home since I was 11 years old. My first full-time job, I was 11 working for, uh, the Gideon at my church when I was a kid, you know, he, he needed farmhand, mom needed money. So I offered to help. So I, uh, you know, started helping him rebuild his barn, and then we moved from there after he, he said I did good work. When uh, we continued to rebuild his house, and when he finished that, he hired me on his farm, and I worked for him for two years. So I would get home from nice. school, directly after school, I just changed my bus route, and get off at his house. And as an 11 and 12-year-old child, I was working 40 hours a week in addition to going to school, playing sports, doing all those things, and to me, that was just, you know, I was life. My family needed help, so it is what it is. I made shoot five dollars an hour under the table working as farmhand. Can I ask you a quick question about yeah. that? Because I think this is a super powerful moment. I appreciate you sharing this, by the way. But during that time, I know it's hard to recall. Um, you know, emotional processing when you're young or you know, preteen, whatever. But do you remember during that time, especially like maybe the when you first started for six months of doing that work? Did you have any kind of regret or was it just a laser focus on, I need to help my damn family. This is what I need to do. So I'm doing it. Or was there some begrudgingly, you know, going through it? Uh, if you could talk on that. You bet. Uh, yeah. During that period of time, there was, there was nothing on my mind other than I need to help. I have a job to do. And I'm, you know, my dad wasn't around by, not by his choice per se, but uh, we didn't have a male figure in the house. So I was it. So for me, gotcha. it was, all right, time to step up. You know, I grew up watching cowboy movies and about, around a bunch of old farmers, <laughs> you know? So that was, uh, in my mind, it was my duty as the uh, the man of the house to take care of business. So I did. Let, let me ask you one more question about that. This is fascinating to me. And I, again, I really appreciate it. But when, during that time, and even as you grew up, you know, as you became a teen and, um, you know, through through when you were seventeen, living in that and where you were, your your siblings did they kind of share your work ethic and I need to do what I need to do for my family because of your example? My, uh, did you guys kind of all pull together, or uh, were you the only one? I would absolutely say yeah. My oldest sister Jessica, she, yeah. you know, so I took the man role and she really helped my mother around the house. She did a lot of babysitting, a lot of cooking and cleaning. Um, I took nice. on a, 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 an additional mothering type role so that when my mom was working, the household still ran. I remember, <laughs> I remember one Thanksgiving <laughs> in particular, my mom, she had got migraines all the time. So me and her, she, we decided we were going to make Thanksgiving dinner. It was still going to happen. So, kids, <laughs> How'd that go? Did it come out good? Or I mean, it was uh, the I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be called <laughs> Chef Ramsey anytime soon. But. I got you understood. That's awesome though. I, I, I've done a couple of things like that too. You know, you, oh, yeah. you make breakfast for the family or whatever. That's great. That feels great. So that even that little thing shows a lot about your character and even what you were doing at this time. You, you wanted to support your family and you know, you look at kids that are 11, 15, 17 and having that kind of commitment and work ethic is really hard to find. And really what it sounds like is as much as it might have been a necessity at the time you took on that mantle as a young man and said, I need to do this. I know, I know what's in front of me and I don't have any other option. So I'm just going to do it. it. And it sounds like again, now, and I want to kind of, you know, get into a little bit closer to where you are now, but it sounds like that's carried you through your life. Um, you know, after high school, I, again, I don't know details. It's kind of over here. But, you know, after high school, I know you were in the military. If you want to talk about a little bit after, you know, graduation, you're, you know, in your 20s, where how kind of from from where you are now to picking up where the story just kind of ended. Sure. Um, you know, what, what happened after that? After after that shack with the squirrel running through the hole, uh, how did life progress after that? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So finished high school. I played football. You know, from fourth grade all the way on, and, and my goal was nice. to go play college football. So, you know, I stand six four. And in high school, I was only 198 pounds at six foot four, so not exactly a, uh, a force to be reckoned with. I was strong enough, I just didn't have the meat. So, um, so D2 was the only real option I had at that point, or D2 or D3, and I, 
I got scouted by Arkansas Tech, a D2 team. You looked at nice. their uh, defensive squad and everything. But, um, you know, Arkansas Tech is not exactly a very, uh, you know, very wealthy to do school. They're an agricultural school, a tech school. Um, so they couldn't offer a full scholarship. So I was going to get a partial for academics because, hey, just like any typical boy at that time, though I was uh, I was hardworking, I was also very interested in women. And I, uh, I didn't study nearly as well as I should for my SAT, so, or excuse me, ACT. Um, you know, so I didn't, uh, even though I had the grades, I graduated with honors, I, I just didn't have what was necessary to get that full ride. So went and looked at the school and decided college it wasn't for me. So I went to join the military and ended up in the U.S. Navy. Um, went in enlisted as an E1, went through boot camp, came out as an E2 after um, taking over a leadership role in boot camp. I was a, it was called AROC. So I called cadence, yep. you know, I led the, uh, the male division. Uh, we were a, a mixed unit, so the females, they had, um, our pop, she was the female lead, and A-Rock, I was the, the male lead, and you know, we just, we got out there and we handled business, and then uh, one thing I'm, I'm really proud about with my military career was at the very beginning, I got selected by my peers as an honor recruit, so only 2% of the nice. U.S. Navy gets that, and essentially what it is, it's like the, um, the who's who of high school and all that same concept. It's like who you mm -hmm. think fully embodies everything that is the Navy Corps values, and they selected me. Nice man. Now, I, out of how many people was that? Was that a your whole squad? Was that the your whole training environment? How, how many people was? was that uh, eighty-eight people. So out of my division, eighty-eight, nice. so 88 recruits out of my division. They all voted um, for me to be on the So that was me. I got to meet the admiral. Oh, that's incredible. That's amazing, man. And that it's funny. I I may not know a lot, but I'm a good judge of character, and I could tell that this was your quality as as I just kind of was introduced to you. And th I'm not surprised to hear that. And to give you a little bit of background to me, I don't want to talk about me really at all. But I'm former military as well. I'm Army National Guard. Um, I had not exactly the same experience, but I was nominated um, for Soldier of the Cycle, and you know, a squad leader, and had that kind of vibe. Full transparency. I'm not a battle hardened warrior. I've never been deployed. I had the privilege and the honor of serving and supporting with some amazing dudes who did get deployed and either put their lives at risk or lost their lives. So, uh, you know, military was an incredible experience. It had its ups and downs like anything in life, right? Um, but so I, and I always feel awkward saying this when I hear it and I feel awkward, but I appreciate your service. Um, I, do, you know, I do appreciate yours. Regardless right. of deployment, you still did what you had to do. I did. I did. I wanted to serve. And while it wasn't just for that fact, it was, you know, there were some selfish reasons. It was a, a great experience. And I appreciate our military uh, more than probably most. So that's awesome, man. Obviously, at that point, you know, you uh, before you even had a chance to be deployed or have a military career, people that are around you that are used to looking at leaders, people that are in leadership roles, people with strong character, you were that dude. And that if if you can't connect the dots from you at that age to you at 11, and supporting your family and kind of where that came from it all flows man right life is like just a river and then you were brought to that point based on the the kind of the, the structure you had and, and your commitment when you were young so all right so military and again i don't know i'm not sure if you've been deployed or if you've been on tour i don't know so if you could talk about yeah. that after training and yeah, yeah, yeah go I ahead go through boot i end up at the best strike fighter squadron in the u.s navy vfa 81 sunliners uh, who said but yeah, so deployed nice. twice with them. Um, first deployment was kind of a bizarre one. We were only supposed to take the ship back from Norfolk to San Diego. And then as we get down toward Florida, the earthquakes in Haiti in 2010 happened. So I got to uh, be there to assist with that humanitarian effort. And then that kind of changed the entire environment. So we went on a blue ops tour and handled that situation down in South America. Then the uh, second nice. deployment was a combat tour. We were in Operation Enduring Freedom out in the Persian Gulf. So we were supporting uh, wow. ground troops, um, doing air coast search support and things of that nature. So that was second time around. Um, and then after after that tour, I was enlisted this whole time. I made E5, went to my second command as a short tour, so uh, not deployed. Um, Mm -hmm. Got there, started digging into work, and immediately began going to school at night to get my engineering degree. So I would go to school Monday through Friday from what, 5 to 10 p.m.? Um, or was it, excuse me, Monday to Thursday, not Monday to Friday. 
and I did gotcha. that. And by the end of my second tour, I got my engineering degree. And we kind of flipped a coin, my wife and I at the time, and we ended up going back home, decided to, to leave active duty and see what civilian life was all about. So went and did that. And <laughs> within a week of being back in Arkansas, I definitely realized I still had to have some sort of connection to service. I wasn't done with it yet. So uh, you gotcha. know, that's where I entered, entered in the reserve. So I put in my uh, officer package and I got picked up as an aviation maintenance officer. And I had the pleasure of serving the last six years uh, as an aviation maintenance duty officer for the Naval Reserve. Awesome. Yeah, I wasn't sure your, your current status. I, I knew you were still in... Again, just so the brief stalking I was doing. So that's incredible, man. That's great. Actually, uh, uh, again, really appreciate your service. Uh, yeah, I'm, just, uh, I'm in the IRR now. So I uh, just recently stepped down from the cell res. So I was actively participating in the reserves. But, um, you know, with life being what it is, COVID, the, uh, I'm a single dad with full custody of my kids. Can't exactly justify running all over the country anymore. So I uh, decided to <laughs> step down from that mantle and move to the inactive reserve side. and move on to the next chapter so no perfect perfect segue I'm, i wanted to jump here next uh you, you just said you're a single dad you, you have full custody of your kids you've got two kids i do yeah so i've got uh, my son he's 10 and my daughter is six awesome and without me doing too much digging i'll let you kind of do the unearthing here um what led to you having full custody and um you know with the mom and all that what how exactly did that transpire? If you're okay with talking yeah, about that. Yeah, I mean, that one, uh, I was kind of glazed over that one a little bit because, you know, at that point in time in our cool. lives, it was just better for the kids to be with me. There were some circumstances that happened. Um, so, you know, we ended up going to court because uh, after the divorce, she had custody um, and a few things came to light that made it evident that it was better that the kids spend their uh the majority of their time with me and then she was still in visitation Understood. so in 2018 yep. i won custody and they've been with me ever since do they still see her oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, do they have a relationship? so i live out in ohio cool. and she's in arkansas so we still do visitation like she gets her standard holidays um and she gets seven weeks over the summer but you know where we were in 2018 versus where we are now is a completely different um, we actually get along very well. The guy that she is with now, I, I love this dude. He is the best thing that's ever happened to her. So, um, yeah. You know, if we, could, if we could talk about that for a second, because that, that that's fascinating to me. You know, you and and this, I, I'm not going to go into this at all, but I have a similar experience in my life with uh, with uh, a sibling of mine and her kids. Uh, much better off in a different situation than where they were originally as that, you know, initial family unit. But, uh, you know, it sounds like you, you both have evolved from where you were. And it's not like you were some, you know, derelict parents or uh, that kind of thing. Um, but you two at that point in your life, and this is going to kind of jump into what the point of this podcast is and what I want to try to help people with. You guys weren't ready at that point in your life to have a relationship together. You weren't ready to tackle that commitment, right? You weren't ready to continue as a couple committing to each other, you know, making that initial base commitment, getting the foundation, and then going from there. But then, you know, you might think of that as a failure. I don't see that. Look at now, everybody's happier. To hear you describe your ex's current mate like that is friggin' awesome. It shows you're not filled with ego and don't have all this bitterness and everybody's happy, right? So I want to ask more questions about your life, but that that really does strike a chord with me because you you mentioned something earlier about you know you kept going regardless of what hardships you had. You always had hope, and you kept going forward. I think that's kind of the first the first part of the foundation we all need to have. You're going to make mistakes, you're going to have screw ups, but you got to keep that hope to keep your forward yeah. momentum, right? And and because this this is where I'm getting at. You might not be in a position mentally where it, your your intention might be there, where you see yourself might be there, your goal might be concrete, right? What you want to do, but you might not be ready to do that yet. And that part is really hard to figure out and dissect because we're all individual people, right? We're all unique. I can't give one self-help book to everybody on earth and it's going to transform right. their life. There might be someone out there that needs to hear 
specifically what you just said over this past 25 minutes to have that thing change in them. That happened to me with uh, Jeff and the Entre Institute. I've seen self-help dudes and, you know, online, social media, get rich this way, learn this. I've seen it all, right? But that one day, that one moment, that one point in my life clicked and it's been months and I've stayed with it. You know, I, I needed that specific thing. So I guess this is going to be strange to kind of describe or, or define, but from when you were 11, when you started working through high school, when things were still tough, uh, you know, you were, you were the, the main father figure of your family. You were working your ass off. You were, you know, doing the normal stuff that kids do, go to school, deal with girls, sports, all that. But so what I guess now, because it sounds like, well, how you just described it, you, you and your, your, uh, the mother of your children are in a completely different headspace now and you could have a, a good relationship. So up till this point in your life, what do you think, and this is more of a broad statement and then I'll, I'll, I'll dive in it a little bit, but what do you think has been the main contributor that's both kept you going and allowed you to have the incremental success over the years from your military experience, from rocking it out as a kid to, you know, your, your engineering degree and your current work, what, what's given you the fuel to, to kind of keep going uh you know um that's interesting uh <laughs> there's just kind of a few things you know? that's tough man. I it's mean, broad. I, I would be remiss to try and nail it down to one but uh, I, I think mm-hmm. you know mine are my mother and i have had differences over the years and everything and there is uh there's been ups and downs and i, I suspect that's probably normal with most parental relationships but she was yeah. always one of those people that kind of gave me that push and said, look, if you just put your mind to it, you can do it. So I definitely have to give her props to her because she always really kind of, she had my back. She made sure that even when times were tough and even when I, she did things that I didn't approve of, she always supported me emotionally. Uh, I mean, you know, as men, we're not exactly very emotional creatures. So I didn't understand it hmm. at all at that time. But what really kind of kept me going after that and all those, because I, I think that was part of the foundation, but my personality um, and my heritage, who I am, I've recently learned over the last few years a lot more about my uh, my family heritage. Uh, we're Vikings, you know? So I got, got my nice. my blog, The Viking Speaks, so that's me. We're Danes, you know? So we talked to the I'm sorry, you you look like a Viking. I'm just going to put that out there. You got, you got the vibe. No, it's old man. Ass. He told me about it. When he was <laughs> in the Army, he got to uh, go to Danish jump school. And he got, when he was over there, he got to meet some of our family. And it turns out, you know, we're both 6'4", but we're the little guys. They were all like 6'8", 6'9", these giants. So, oh, yeah, just a little <laughs> tangent, but... They are yeah, but cool. I think that's a, that has a little bit of something to do with it. I've always had this nagging feeling at the back of my mind like that there, there was... I was meant to do something more like this is good, but good isn't good enough. I can do better. And I knew I could do better. I always knew that, you know, even when I was in the military, I never wanted to be someone and a part of my French. I, I could never do that fast. I don't do that. I do whole ass. I go straight in. So, um, you know, yep, it, yep. I always wanted to be number one. I'm incredibly competitive and I've always been in sports. You know, I've done that my whole life. Now I'm working on trying to, cultivate a physique so I can step on stage and compete in bodybuilding too in the, uh, the natural bodybuilding nice. physique. I appreciate it. You know, so it's, but it, that's it. It's been always in the back of my mind. Like I know I can do better. There's something else out there. I just don't know it yet. So I need to dig. I need to find out. And I remember one day in particular, I came home from work. I was still in the Navy. It was a rough day. It was, I was tired. My back hurt. Mm-hmm. I was pissed off because you know what? It was just, it was one of those days where it didn't matter what you did, nothing was good enough. And I came home mad, I was frustrated, and I knew that from that moment on, I didn't want to break my back for anybody but my family, and I was going to figure out a way to do so. And so I actually said that to myself, and I sat there at the kitchen table that day, I grabbed a beer, and I grabbed my laptop, and I'm like, okay, What's going on? So I started figuring out. I started Googling. The first thing I Googled is some random popped into my head. Said, how to be a millionaire. So, you know, so like, I don't know. I'm a poor kid from the middle of Arkansas. I grew up working with my hands, and that's all I knew. 
You know, when I was a kid, when I right after high school, I worked for a bricklayer, uh, slinging brick, and he told me, he's like, as long as you maintain your work ethic, you will never go home. So, you know, that stuck with me. Dylan was an awesome dude, I, you know. Um, but I started looking, and one of the first things he said was, hey, business. I'm like, all right, cool, sounds great. I've always kind of been interested in business. I didn't really know about it and always kind of sit, felt like there was this massive cloud of, I have no idea how to do that, but I, know I, want, to, I want to figure out how to. Mm -hmm. So to kind of get there, it's like, okay, if you don't understand how money works, you need to really work on your mindset first. So I started finding out all, about all these books and anything that could help me. So I started grabbing books and the first few that um, were presented to me were Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, yep. Rich yeah. Dad, Poor Dad. I've got them behind me. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, give me a couple. Um, the Secret. Uh, nice. What else? Yep. The Magic of Thinking Big. Um, the Midas Touch. And nice. I feel like there's one that's missing, but you kind of get the gist. Those were. Really good mindset. Oh, yeah, thinking for sure. Yeah. There you go. I was just what about thinking? Oh, yeah. It's got to be in there somewhere. Those books, <laughs> those uh, I want to say there's five. Those five were the the real turning point for me. And I got to go back to my mother for a moment because that book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, she bought mm -hmm. one of the original uh, mm -hmm. first edition copies that came out. And in high school, nice. I didn't know she had done this. She stuck it in a tote of my things when I moved out and I went on my way. That stayed with wow. me. Now, this was 2012. I graduated in 06. So six years later, I opened this tote. I haven't opened it since then. I opened this tote after six years and there's that damn book staring at me. Like, whoa, hold on, time out. I just found this book online. And it said, this is one of the first books I need to read. And it's been sitting here this whole time. So you want to bet? I I sat down that weekend and I, I blew through the whole thing. And it just I, I was gonna say I bet you read that as soon as humanly possible after that point. Now I got to tell you, man. You know there, and I've had a few of these doing these so far. But you get these kind of like aha light bulb or or uh, you know goosebump kind of moments, and that was definitely one. You talk about planting a seed. And, uh, and that was one of the first questions when you, when you first started talking about this a minute ago. But talk about planting a seed. I don't know your mom. I have no idea. But what you just told me, she's an amazing woman. And the fact that she put that there, she knew what she was doing. She planted that seed. So when you got to that point in your life, that was going to be for you, there for you to kind of have this kind of profound shift in your thinking, right? Um, you know, she wasn't seeing the future. It wasn't that kind of thing. But she knew the value of that book. And and it sounds, and I want to ask this too, talking about your mom. This is the first thing I thought of. And it's really important. And you got to be able to look at your past with a clear lens and not have your ego or guilt or regret involved to be able to figure out how you are how you are right so your mom and and this could be a sentence or you can talk as long as you want but how was it um with her growing up with her parents did she have an environment where maybe not exactly like you but where she had to do what she had to do to survive and things weren't exactly perfect were there some correlation between you and your mom growing up? If you could talk on that just for a second, I think it's really important, and I'll, I'll explain why you so, bring that up. Uh, no, actually, she grew up in a, a pretty well-off family. My grandpa was 10 years Air Force, and then when he got out, he was an entrepreneur. He owned a bunch of gas stations, uh, storage units, right. and a few other businesses that I'm aware of. And so that's he just made his own way, and she was the youngest of four in her family. Um, so she really didn't have to – she never wanted for anything – Physically, you know, monetarily, she they were good to go. What she didn't have, awesome. There was no real, no real emotional connection in that side of the thing. Okay, yeah. between her and them. Okay, gotcha. But but I guess that's funny you say that. Not funny, but I was my next question was so she still had as much as there might not have been the the feeling or emotional side. She still had an example of a hardworking entrepreneurial person that kind of gave her that initial foundation. Oh, Do you agree with yeah, that? Or did she not? The, okay. He set the tone. Right. That's amazing because that's, you know, I, again, I'm not going to talk about myself, but I can tell you that there, 
through some dysfunction and um you know not really accepting who you are and embracing your faults there's some of that that's kind of interweave throughout my family media family and it made it hard for me when i was young to even have that kind of uh knowledge even be able to process this kind of thing the hard work ethics and it's really to be straight with you it's part of the reason why in my mid-20s i'm like all right i'm a smart dude i need to do something to re-pour my foundation and at that point it was join the military and it worked i knew it would you know the the getting up early and not complaining and getting your mission done regardless and supporting your team and your battle buddies all that but i need that i knew that but not everybody has the either wherewithal or uh you know not to be rude but are smart enough to realize that and they just kind of put their head down and wear their labels on their sleeve and have all their baggage and live their entire life like that you know you sound like through your mother where she came from the hard working you know support yourself not depending on other people and then that led it right into your guys's family life i mean you can't describe that any other way you guys you know you were 11 years old working to support your family and um so you know that it, for people who don't have that who, that initial foundation and it's funny that you and your mom kind of got it in different ways it was kind of forced on you with your mom it was more of kind of a natural progression of her family life but for people who don't have that and i i would kind of put myself in one of those boats so maybe i'm asking you selfishly even though i'm at a good point in my life for people who haven't made that choice yet you know they're you mentioned earlier you've got that nagging feeling that you want to do more and i would i would guess that and i i would almost say for sure the first thing that people encounter is fear right which that that unravels into self-doubt and you know body image and all that stuff but um they they just scared right so anybody who's hearing this right now that might be 17 or or 70 doesn't matter it has nothing to do with where you came from you can always make a change and right now as we're talking right and then make that commitment and go forward what what advice and I know I I talked about kind of you personally well how you got for other people who don't have kind of your experience what what would you say to them to give them that hope every day that regardless if they're you know it come from a, a horrible situation or they just don't know what the hell to do and life isn't that bad you know they they're not sure how to embrace that feeling of doing more and having an impact how would you tell people to do that what, uh, what would you say uh, uh, <laughs> that one I, i've got a few different areas but i think the this kind of boils back down to the infamous why do you know what yeah. you're doing why you're doing it if you have for me you it really it, it took a lot of pain for me to understand thoroughly and completely what my why actually was uh, so you know i mm-hmm. hope it doesn't take a, a lot of folks pain but for me understanding that why and knowing what it was i wanted and why i was trying to do that that kept me motivated that kept me and I shouldn't say motivated that kept me disciplined because motivation dissipates you know I heard a, a seal commander talk yeah, about this on a uh, some motivational post I watched I got too many of them floating through but you know he's right I mean motivation is in that spur of the moment it's hey cool feel great then tomorrow comes like oh well that's come in I got to mention I got to mention I'll be interrupt you I apologize but my drill sergeants and basic and it it changed my life at the time I'm like you guys are dumb I'm tired I'm freaking hot it's 4 in the morning leave me alone but they always said false motivation is better than no motivation right and and to take that a step further to get more into kind of the science of it the the idea of the willpower fallacy and the way that people perceive willpower if you think is willpower or motivation as a source that can deplete you're going to use that excuse and be like well my willpower tank is empty today i'm good i'm going to go eat some doritos and hop on the couch and watch tv whatever right but if you understand that it is a commitment it isn't a fuel tank it's a switch right you either have the motivation or you don't and you might not want to do it but because that switch is on you keep going right like i, I that resonates big time with me i understand what you mean so anyway right so and i think kind of what you're describing the self-awareness right that the idea of the lie you can you have to be honest with yourself about why you do what you do 
why you've done what you've done and where you want to go. People just, like I said, wear those labels and had this armor. They, they put these defenses up to maintain their illusion when they would just be honest and, and attack what they need to attack in their life. And everybody knows what that is, right? If people quiet themselves and don't have drama, you know what you need to do. I don't care who you are. You know, maybe if you're 10 years old, that'd be a bit different. But as you grow up, you have an idea, at least an idea of what you need to do to keep going. So I, I do, I love that, that idea of self-awareness and, uh, you know, motivation being a commitment and not a fuel, right? I love no, it. So carry on, uh, let me interrupt you. So yeah, beyond the why, I mean, there's there's a simple factor for me is, if you get, you, you look at it chronologically, I mean, you think about it from point A to point B, look, you're gonna wake up today, you can wake up tomorrow, we're never guaranteed tomorrow, but let's just say you do. The time is gonna pass anyway. I think I heard, it was either Bradley yes. or Grant Cardone say it. Um, being poor is hard. Becoming rich, becoming wealthy, becoming successful is hard. So pick your hard. I mean, life's hard anyway. <laughs> right, right. You might as well get the most out of it. Yeah. Here's another way to look at that, and this is mentioned by Jeff in the training. Do you want to bust your ass as hard as you ever have for the next two to five years? Or do you want to work in the regular corporate grind for the next 40 years to maybe have some kind of social security or, you know, some, some uh, retirement, like which one sounds easier. They're both going to be right. tough, but what would you rather yeah. do? Right. Do you want to, it's so simple. That's exactly where my mindset is. You know, I've, I've told my friends over and over again, I'm about to turn 33 next week. Uh, and I've said it to him time and again, somewhere between the age of 37 and 40, I will be retired. And to be retirement is something totally different mm. than what they believe. They believe retirement is, hey, I got the golden watch. I don't have to go to work anymore. I'm going to play golf and watch Jeopardy. Yep. Retirement means I don't rely on that J-O-B. I don't need that anymore. I have the freedom and financial wherewithal to do what I want to and need to my family. So all that's gonna to mean to me is I, can, I am financially free. That is retirement for me. Because now I can remove myself from the have to and really dive into the want to. Because I, I know for me, there's so much I wanna do. I've got a nonprofit I wanna get operational, uh, real estate ventures I wanna do, travel. Uh, my kids are gonna be in their teens by then. Um, you know, so I'm really looking forward to being involved in their sports and their activities. God forbid their relationships at that point. Oh, I'm not ready to go. But working a nine to five job or working a the seven to three, three to 11, 11 to seven. Thank you, Kenny Chesney. We, uh, you really don't have that, hmm. that ability. And I don't know about you, but in my experience in the civilian world, there's no such thing as a 40 hour work week. It's a nice little myth, but the reality of the matter is if you're anyone um, working with your hands or out there making things or unless you're a banker, you're probably working 50 plus hours, you know? So, I mean, what does that right. do? And then that doesn't even count your your drive time and all those such things. I made a post the other day and it's like, what is your annual time usage? So when I broke it down and this was actually just an exercise for me, I really wanted to dig in, you know, this is part of what Jeff Lerner talked about, that awesome life challenge. It's really taking a step back mm -hmm. and taking a um, holistic look at your life without a filter and being brutally honest with yourself and saying, look, dude, what are you doing with your time? Are you sitting on the couch making it and yep. posting 3% of your life saying, hey, look at me, I'm good. Or are you actually out there in the grind? So when you break down that time, and you know, I mean, there's studies, a million studies out there that say you need seven, eight, nine hours of sleep, whatever. If I get more than six hours of sleep, I'm good. You know, so everybody's different. Me, I got to calculate that six hours in. Yep. And then I'm just one of those people that refuse to work on Sunday. That's my, so I got that in too. Yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you. At the end you. of the day, when I've got almost 3,000 yep. hours yep. a year remaining, like, damn. You think about it like that. There's a lot I can do with three thousand hours. Yeah. Yeah. I think of that post you did, uh, and I, I like I've seen that kind of thing before. But that's right, man. When you break it down like that, what are you doing with your time? And it's funny how uh, almost all the 
successful people that I've encountered in the past few months or whatever, they, they all have a very set schedule every day. And I think you talking now, I realize that because if you, let's say your schedule is get up at one, eat a giant bowl of cereal, watch cartoons, go, you know, take a shower, eat another giant bowl of cereal, watch more, whatever, play video games and go to sleep. If you were to look at that on a calendar objectively, you'd be like, dude, what, what am I doing? Like, this is a complete waste of my life. But when you're in it, it's hard to see that. So, and I want to mention one more thing, man, you, you brought this up and it's one of the other, these kind of, I'm finding there are a lot of these ideas that are just staples, these basic understandings of things that people convolute and they make complicated. No, complication is, is the enemy of success. But when people, you mentioned it about how, you know, when you're, um, when you're poor, you can't do anything right. People don't understand this is connected to that, but I, if people embrace this, it would change your thinking. They'd be able to, without judging themselves, look at what they're doing. People think of ego as, I'm the best, you know, no one is better than me, you know, no one can understand how great I am, right? That's the typical idea we think of ego, right? You're so self-focused. What people don't realize, and if they did, I, I've encountered this recently, people are like, holy crap, that's an interesting way to think about this. Flip that around, okay? It is the same ego that makes you say, oh, my life is the worst, nobody will understand me, I'm in, you know, an island by myself, but when you're in that, it's hard to realize that, right? If people understood, wait a minute, it, why am I doing this? Why is my life so horrible? Why do I feel like every day I can't make a change? Well, we do it kind of, we just said, what are you doing with your time? Be objective. When you're focused on how bad things are for you, it's the same as being a self-centered, positive, egotistical person. You're not helping anybody, including yourself. So when you can remove your ego from all of this, and just like you said, look at your time. How, what are you doing? And, and make simple steps. Take, you know, I think people get, you know, dismayed by, oh my God, how do I go from, like you said earlier, from, you know, country bumpkin, don't know what the hell I'm doing, you know, not too familiar with the internet to becoming a digital marketer or learning these skill sets and tools that you need to kind of thrive with the online business. That same mentality, when people put their ego aside and realize I, everybody starts somewhere, right? I think that point alone would really help a ton of people that like we've been saying this, you know, earlier too, that false motivation is better than no motivation. Absolutely. Just keep going, do the right thing. You might fail or you might have a setback, but if you take setbacks as steps back and not learn from them, you're never going to grow. Um, so that's amazing. And, and look, we're, um, I'm, I'm trying to stick to this. I feel like we could probably talk for a couple hours and then, and then do another one tomorrow and do the same thing. But, um, I feel like there's already been a ton of juicy stuff in here. You know, I, I do these completely unscripted. I have, you know, a basic idea of what we're going to talk about, but not really because we're just kind of getting to know each other. But this was awesome. I, I feel like people who, you know, especially hearing about when you were a kid and coming up and, and the success you've had. And, and really, I got to tell you, aside from all that, getting to know you talking to you here, I'd consider you a friend at this point. Uh, I respect what you've been through. It's been an honor to hear about your life, your service and what you've done. Uh, but the next couple of minutes, I want to just give you the floor to either give some nuggets of your own wisdom, final message for, for the people listening in the audience. Um, and, and also where can people find you if they want to connect with your business or uh, whatever, you know, best ways to connect to you or, or, uh, yeah, the floor is yours, man. Uh, whatever you want to, whatever you want to give. First, I appreciate it. I would definitely, uh, I think we found a friendship here, brother. So, uh, I'm deeply honored you brought me on here, but, yeah. um, you know, there are a few things I would love to talk about. You know, like I said, I'm very proud of my Viking heritage and everything. So I've really started to dive into that. Um, so that's where my uh, nice. my blog and my blog. So you can check me out on uh, on YouTube at the Viking Speeds Lyle Birch. That's you know that's my YouTube channel. Um, and I'm going to be throwing a lot of content on there here over the next few uh, weeks and months. Um, and hopefully, you know, building a good following there and really kind of giving you guys an, a, a deeper glance into or glimpse, excuse me, into how my mind works, what I do on a day-to-day, -day, mm -hmm. and how I'm working towards achieving my goals, leaving little breadcrumbs along the way to maybe hopefully make it easier for you guys. But on the other side, I've got the, um, nice. I've got my blog, it's at thevikingspeaks.com, so you know, I'm gonna put a lot of my written word out there too, and you know, some great detail there, kind of just, some maybe some fun stuff too, just some little tidbits of what it's like to be, uh, the, you know, the life of a dad nowadays in this uh, 
Oh, but, yeah. Um, you know, I want to make a, a, a small statement here so folks understand that, you know, you didn't go grab the most successful people you could find um, and just throw them on here and say, hey, look, he did it. You can do it too. No, it's, guys, I am not a millionaire yet. I want to make that last word very clear hmm. yet. I will be. It's just a matter of time because there is no such thing as quitting this boy. So, you know, I love it, man. I'm gonna, I got to say, that's why you're here. I could recognize that. And uh, I resonate with that a thousand percent. Uh, yet, yet, yet is the key word. That's why you're here, brother. Honestly, that's uh, and your your link. I'll, I'll make sure I put it in the show notes and we'll get everything where they can find you. I'm sure uh, anything future that you're going to be doing down the road, they Hold can on, you, find uh, you through you, that you website or there, YouTube channel. Uh, no, yeah. You're right. Can you hear me now? I was just going to say, I'm sure anything else that you do uh, in the future, they can find through that link, which I'll put in the in the notes below the, the episode here. Uh, but any future stuff you're doing, I'm sure that's probably the best place to find you, huh? Basically, the Viking uh, Instagram, I've got a, you know, a, a similarly titled The Viking Speaks on Instagram. And then if you want to check out my fitness side of things, that's uh, The Viking Fit. But um, yeah, I'll have a lot of um, continuing details on there. So there's a lot more to come. I've got a book that I'm working on writing. Uh, yeah, there's just, you know, stay tuned. It's going to be fun. Awesome, man. I, I'm excited for to get more. I'm, I'm a fan and, you know, we're both kind of on a similar path. I'm a little bit older, but we're both in the entrepreneurial boat getting going. And I'm excited for your future. I think you're going to do amazing, man. So thank you for your time. This has been um, better than I thought. Not that I thought it was going to be bad, but uh, this has been great. And uh, I really appreciate it, man. This has been valuable for both us you know, learn a little bit about each other. And I think people will be able to take away from this and, and maybe start taking the steps to stop yeah, making excuses, right? Take those steps every day, make a plan, stick to it, make a commitment. You're not going to go back to it. There if you make there. mistakes, it's all right. Well, it's like uh, moving forward. So like, uh, again, says, you can look go up, ahead, you can ahead. get up. So. Hell yeah, my man. And we'll, I'm, I'll end, we'll leave that right there. We'll leave that in the air, people to stew on and um, so that's awesome. Well, maybe we'll do this again. Uh, again, I feel like we could talk for hours. So I appreciate your time, Lyle. It's been great. And uh, I'll yeah, we'll talk again. to you soon, man.